I'm Sue Alves from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 174. And today I am going to continue the theme of love. I have a couple of stories to share with you about following our instincts. Yes, not doing what other people tell us that we should be doing and just listen to our kids and just love them. Yes, there's nothing more important than love. But before I get onto those stories, I will just catch you up with a little bit of news. First of all, I recorded a podcast last week, so you are probably very surprised that I'm sitting down here again recording another episode so soon. I'm surprised myself. Actually, I don't know if anybody is out there listening. I'm sort of out of touch with the podcast world. I don't know if I lost half my audience while I was having a long break. I guess I could go to Podbean and look at my stats, but maybe if I find out that no one's listening, I will feel discouraged. I guess that's the sensible thing to do, isn't it? To find out where we are being effective, and if we're not, if nobody's listening, we ought to move on and do something different. But anyway, I'm not a sensible type person, so I haven't looked at my stats All I've done is got up this morning and had this thought, perhaps I should record another episode of my podcast. So that's what I'm doing. Now a little bit of news. In the week I recorded my Homeschooling Global Summit interview. That happened on Wednesday afternoon. Daniel Prince, who is in France, He gave me a Zoom call about 3.30 in the afternoon Australian time. And we talked for about an hour about unschooling, obviously. Before the interview, I got a little bit nervous, as I always do. I did a bit of a dummy run. I tried to set up all my equipment a couple of days ahead of time. And I just recorded a short video Uh, not on Zoom, but on my MacBook with my equipment to see what it was like. I discovered that my webcam isn't that great. Last year's interviews we recorded on Sophie's um, MacBook Pro. I think the camera on the MacBook Air, which is what I've got, isn't quite as good. Well, I didn't feel satisfied with the picture when I did my test recording. So I grabbed my bag and a daughter and I rushed into town to see if I could buy an external webcam. I thought that would be really easy to do. I had a couple of places that I knew sells that kind of thing. And I didn't anticipate that there wouldn't be any available on the shelves. I guess I should have thought about that because everybody has been setting up home offices, haven't they, since the COVID-19 pandemic. Everybody has been doing Zoom conferences. Well, the first shop I went into had absolutely no webcams and I was told that 
a new supply of them was due in about a month's time. No good for me. So I went to a second place. Same story. And then I said to Charlotte, who was with me, oh, look, there won't be any webcams in Big W. I mean, that's not even a shop specializing in such things. But I said, let's go and have a look anyway. And there on the shelf was one webcam. So I came home with it and felt very pleased with my purchase. I set the webcam up and yes, it was much better. And then I thought, look, I should set up, set up my mic as well. And then I hit another problem. My MacBook Air only has two ports. One for the recharge uh, cord, yeah, the one that goes to the, the outlet in the wall that keeps my MacBook charged. And I can't really do without that during an interview. I mean, what if you were being interviewed and all of a sudden your computer ran out of power? No, I couldn't risk that. And the webcam, the external webcam, was connected to the other port. So then I had another problem. What I needed was a hub. So the next morning I rushed down to town again to look for hubs, fully expecting that I wouldn't be able to get a hub either. Well, I couldn't get the one that I'd set my heart on before I went out. But yes, there were a couple on the shelf. And so that fixed that problem. Now, the only other problem I had was finding an uncluttered background. The guidelines for the interviews were quite strict. Somebody had uh, actually written guidelines this year. They didn't, we didn't have any last year. And they said, please record your interview against a blank wall, if possible, an uncluttered background. So I looked around our house and I thought, look, we don't have anywhere that's uncluttered. We certainly don't have any wall space that's blank. So on the day of the interview, Wednesday, I had to rearrange the furniture in our living room. I got a daughter again and we pushed the heavy sofa out of the way and I arranged a chair and a table and a mountain of encyclopedias so that I could lift my computer up so that the webcam was at eye level because of course I'd done my research. I wanted to do this properly. The only other problem was the light. It's winter here in Australia at the moment and on Wednesday it was a very cloudy day and at 3.30pm the sun was going down but I fixed that problem with one of Sophie's photography lamps. So I had this really complicated setup, a chair against the wall with a table in front of it with a pile of encyclopedias encyclopedias they come in handy for some things even though we no longer read them because we got the internet but yes I think I had about six in a pile with my computer balanced on the top with my external webcam and my external mic and then lots of little things like a notebook oh what else a few other things just in case things that were at hand in case I needed them and then I had this horrific thought, what if one of the cats or the dog pulls all my setup down? So I had to guard it carefully until the time of the interview. But it all went well. 
I think the hardest part was actually anticipating the interview, getting everything set up properly, and then wondering what I was going to say. Well, the hour just flew by. I'm not sure that I said everything in the right way, well, in the best way. I had so many things that I wanted to say, and maybe they didn't all come out exactly right, or maybe I didn't follow through one thought to another as well as I could have, but I certainly was passionate. Yes, the opportunity to tell the world about unschooling. I try and do that all the time, but somebody else's platform that might actually reach a lot more people than I'm reaching. I got a good opportunity to share what I'm doing, my blog, this podcast, uh, my books. I was able to hold up my big orange book and my big pink book and tell people about them. So the interview is over and I'm really glad about that. Though I am glad that I did it. Yes, stepping outside my comfort zone again. But I've been thinking that every time we do that, every time that we do take that step outside our comfort zone, the more comfortable we become. And a day arrives when maybe we won't even think twice about connecting up to do a Zoom interview. We'll just sit on down and do it. Well, so I've been thinking about that too. And there's something that I've been thinking about for a very long time, but haven't had the courage really to go ahead and commit to it. And that is doing some Zoom meetups within my community. And I broached that idea on Wednesday evening. While I was still feeling pretty good about the interview, I asked members of the community if anybody would like to meet up with me via Zoom. And so that's what we're going to do. I haven't actually set the date yet, probably one day next week. And I would like to choose the day that my daughter Sophie is at home on one of her days off from work. Because Sophie is really good at helping me with technology problems and she'll probably set everything up for me and she'll probably help me work out how I am to talk to multiple people. I know all about doing a one-on-one interview now, but a meeting with more than one person, that's a new experience. But hopefully, if that goes well, I'm sure everybody will have a lot of patience with me. I'm going to say this is an experiment. It doesn't matter if we make some mistakes. Uh, We are just going to be learning new skills together, having a new experience. And then, if that's not too traumatic, I'm sure it's going to be very enjoyable actually, I might make that a regular feature of the community. Maybe the first one we will just do some introductions, talk about a few things that are easy to talk about, not an unschooling topic, for example. I won't have to think about answers to anything, but maybe we could just share some personal details and some stories. But in the future, maybe we could have a topic that we all get together to talk about, maybe for an hour. I would just post the topic ahead of time, give people a chance to think about it, 
and a chance also to arrange a free hour so that everybody can get together and talk almost face to face, but talk live anyway. And then maybe we can record the Zoom talks and put them in the community for anybody who was unable to join us. Because that's the other problem, isn't it? Getting a a time that's suitable for everybody. Coordinating our time zones. We're in the Eastern Australian time zone, the Sydney time zone. And I think from what I have been reading online from members in the community, that if I do the Zoom call fairly early in the morning, that might coincide with the evening in such places as America and the UK, places in the Northern Hemisphere. So I might try that, but I guess we could always try a few different time slots and see what suits most people best. So that's a little bit about the Homeschooling Global Summit and my plans for some Zoom meetings within the community. Oh, there was one more thing there. Having tried out a couple of test videos using my external webcam and my external mic, I thought that might be an easy way to record some videos for my YouTube channel and then I could post them in the community and on my blog. I haven't made a lot of videos for quite some time. I haven't made any videos for quite some time, to be quite honest. And yeah, maybe I should. I think that trying a few new things, learning some new skills, uh, challenging myself a bit more, then that might inspire me to keep on sharing unschooling with everybody. I won't be thinking, well, I've done this and I've done that. And what more can I do? I'll be thinking, hey, look, I haven't actually made any videos about this or that. I certainly haven't spoken to people live about unschooling. It would be, yes, a new way to share unschooling. So that's all I want to say about that. I think it's time now to move on to a couple of stories. Last week I was telling you that we were about to start a discussion of the love section of my book, Radical Unschool Love, in my community. Well, that has not gone ahead very well. I got a bit distracted by the Homeschooling Global Summit interview. I have posted one post there this week, but the discussion hasn't really got off to a fast start, which could be disappointing, or I could say that doesn't matter because there's plenty of time for new people to join us. We haven't actually said much yet. So if you would like to join in with that discussion, we have a book club discussion group within my community and everybody is welcome to join. I will leave a link in the show notes. So I have chosen two stories that are related to that discussion. One of them comes from Radical Unschool Love 
and the other one comes from my blog. I think I probably wrote it after Radical Unschool Love was published. The first story is called Following Our Mothering Instincts. And I guess that could have been called Following Our Parental Instincts because fathers are involved in parenting just as much as mothers. But I was telling a story that was personal to me, and I think the original title of the story was Following My Mothering Instinct. Yes, this story started life as a blog post, and I changed it quite a bit while I was doing my book. The message in the story is exactly the same as the original blog post, but I structured things very differently. I wrote the story from the perspective of my pretend friend, Amina. Amina is very useful. Sometimes I don't want to tell a story that's very personal as myself, so I use Amina, and then nobody knows whether it's me or somebody else that Amina is speaking for. So on to the story. Following our mothering instincts. Did I ever tell you my discipline talk story? Asks my friend Amina. I shake my head before settling down to listen. Some years ago, a friend gave me a CD. It's a talk about disciplining kids, she said. Did she think your kids were wild and out of control? Amina smiles. She didn't mention my children, but who knows what she was thinking. We are unschoolers, you know. Who was the speaker, I ask? I can't remember his name, even though he was well known at the time. He was an experienced family man and was considered to be a parenting expert. Amina tells me how she took the CD home and decided to listen to it, even though she didn't think she needed any advice. I had to listen because my friend might have asked me about it. Anyway, I was curious. I wanted to hear what the parenting expert had to say. So, what did he say? The father must be the authority figure in the family, says Amina. And then she went on to describe the expert's recommended method for disciplining children. The mother should draw up a misbehaviour chart for her children. When the father returns home from work, he must deal with all the discipline issues that have occurred during the day. If a child has a mark against his name, he must call that child into the privacy of his study. The father should tell the child how disappointed he is with his behaviour. The child hasn't been obedient. He didn't do what he was told. Because he has broken the rules, his father must spank him. It's only fair. After the father has inflicted the punishment, he must take his crying child into his arms and reassure him of both his and God's love. The father has only been tough because he cares. Tough love. It is just as hard for the parent as it is for the child. The child would dry his eyes and resolve to do better. I felt there was something wrong, says Amina. How can a father inflict pain and shame on a child one moment and then say, I love you, a moment later, and expect a child to believe that? 
I couldn't get my head around that at all. So you weren't tempted to follow the advice, I ask? No, I couldn't do something like that. There were other things I couldn't do either. Amina describes how her friends had used wooden spoons to paddle little bottoms to deter misbehaviour in their children. That didn't feel right. Did you say anything to your friends? No. Whenever they talked about such things as discipline, I kept quiet. They did what they believed was right. Our family did something different. I avoided getting into parenting discussions. I didn't want my friends to know I didn't share their views because I wanted them to accept me. I understand. Most of us want people to like us. We want the approval of others. We need a group of friends to belong to. It's hard going our own way, isn't it? That can be very lonely. I also didn't want to look like I was judging my friends' choices. Everyone has to do what they feel is best for their family. So that's why Amina chose to do what she felt in her heart was right for hers. Even though I kept quiet about my views on discipline, says Amina, everyone must have noticed we were different. Years later, one of my friends said, your kids turned out okay, even though you didn't spank them. Maybe she was surprised. Yes, Amina's kids are considerate, pleasant, and very loving people. Sometimes it can be very difficult raising our kids in ways different to those around us. We might have to defend our opinions. We could feel alone. There might even be times when we wonder if everyone else is right after all. Why should we know better than our friends? And what about the parenting experts? Surely an expert knows best. Except he often doesn't. If his advice doesn't feel right, it's okay to ignore it. Instead, we should listen to our hearts and follow our mothering instincts. When in doubt, just love, I say. Amina smiles. I don't need to explain further. That's the wonderful thing about pretend friends. They're totally in tune with our thoughts and feelings. They understand. Yes, everybody should have a pretend friend like Amina. As I was reading that, I the bit about calling the child into the privacy of the father's study. I was thinking, wouldn't it be nice to have a study? If we had a study, I could set up all my equipment for podcasting and Zoom calls and videos and leave it set up. I wouldn't have to look for an uncluttered part of the house to do anything. Because sometimes I think that setting everything up is the hard bit. When we think about all the things we have to do to get all our equipment together, sometimes it's just too much. I think, oh, look, I haven't got time to do all that. I won't record anything today. So a study would be lovely. I don't suppose many people with big families have studies. We would just have to do without them. It can be hard doing things differently to other people, can't it? Sometimes when we do things differently to others, they get a bit defensive. 
and also we can feel sometimes a bit insecure. Do we really know what's best? Well, I think we do for our own children. And maybe finding like-minded people helps, people that share similar views to us that we can talk about these things with. People like the people in my unschooling community. My second story is called Reject What Doesn't Feel Right and Just Love. If it doesn't feel right, we shouldn't do it. For example, I used to battle with my kids as I tried to get them to do what I thought was important. Yes, they protested, but I had to persist. I had to teach my children the right lessons. Life is tough. We have to do things we don't want to do, don't we? So I push my kids to do their schoolwork and other things that I thought were good for them. I answered, why do we have to do this? With, because I said so. I was the adult and my kids were the children, so I knew better than them what they needed. Or so I thought. But I discovered two problems with battling with my kids. Firstly, I wasted time and effort making my kids do things that weren't important or relevant to them. I'd been more concerned with other people's opinions and expectations than the needs of my kids. And secondly, forcing my kids to do these things involved me being harsh and unkind. Oh yes, I used to yell and argue and threaten and get all hot and bothered. My words caused pain to my kids. Our family wasn't always a happy place. I told myself that I had no choice. My kids wouldn't listen to my polite requests. It was their fault that I got frustrated and had to use harsh words. If only they'd cooperate. I justified my unkindness. But deep inside me, I knew what I was doing wasn't right. It's hard to listen to our instincts, especially when there are many people around telling us such things as, you have to be tough. Tough love, you know. Kids won't listen unless they know you're the boss. Yes, you might have battles, but you have to persevere because it's your duty. But in the end, I ignored all this advice. Instead, I listened to my instincts and did what love commanded. We don't have to be unkind and tough. We don't have to force kids to do things that other people say are good for them. If we want our children to grow and develop into the people they are designed to be, all we have to do is love. We have to give our kids lots of love the unconditional kind. Everything else will flow from there. And then in the rest of that blog post, I talk about my book, Radical Unschool Love. I must have done that blog post just before the book was published. Yes, I talk about how I am about to upload the file to Amazon. 
and how excited I was about doing that. And then I said that there are 130 stories in the book, arranged into 21 sections, including radical unschooling, connection, rules, trust, respect, love, joy, forgiveness, babies and toddlers, teenagers and young adults, chores, food, being different, parents, difficult days, concerns, our values and beliefs, Christian unschooling, and when a child finds life difficult. So, that's my two stories and also a plug for my book, Radical Unschool Love, which you can find on Amazon as a print book and as a Kindle ebook. That was my second book. The first one is Curious Unschoolers, and that can also be found on Amazon. Yes, a lot of things get in the way of loving our kids, don't they? Our worries, our anxieties, trying to fill other people's expectations, wondering whether other people are right after all. Sometimes we feel insecure, we lack confidence. But when it comes down to it, all our kids really need is our love. As I said in that story, everything else flows from there. All the decisions we make are based on our love for our kids. And if we are doing things that don't make our kids feel loved, then I would say we are doing the wrong things. I interviewed my daughter Sophie oh, quite some time ago now and we talked about unconditional love and kids. And we talked about how parents might get very upset if we suggest that they are not loving their kids unconditionally. They might say, of course I love my kids. How dare you accuse me of not loving them enough? And I think, yes, we do love our kids so very much. That's not the problem. Sophie said the problem is that kids don't always feel that love. They don't always feel accepted and loved unconditionally. Other things get in the way. So the parent loves, but what the child is feeling is not unconditional love. It's always best, I think, when I talk about myself. We can't point the finger at other people, but I have enough examples from my own life and my own mistakes without actually talking about other people. Yes, as I said in that story, there were times when my kids, I am sure, didn't feel loved because I yelled at them, I argued with them. I was unkind. Yes, but I thought that unkindness was justified. It was my duty to make my kids do what I thought was right. The funny thing is that when we do love our kids unconditionally, they want to do what is right. There's no need to fuss them. There's no need to yell at them. No, when we're connected with our kids by love, wonderful things happen. Our kids blossom under our unconditional love for them. They become the people they are meant to be. And surprisingly, we become the people we are meant to be as well. I say surprisingly because I guess we all set out 
with this idea that we're going to bring up our kids the best way we can. We have a lot of preconceived ideas about who we want our kids to be and what we want for them. But do we ever think about ourselves? Do we think about the people that we are going to become as we parent our kids? Well, I certainly didn't. I thought that I was pretty good as I was. My kids were lucky to have me. No, I knew that I wasn't perfect, but I maybe did have a bit of an arrogant attitude. I thought that I was pretty good and I was going to do a great job of parenting and educating my kids. Well, so many years down the track, I realize that I have changed enormously. I still need to change. And I have changed because of my children. They have taught me about love. I think I said that last week. I wonder sometimes what kind of person I would be if it wasn't for my children. What if I hadn't had all my children? Yes, I would have been a very selfish and self-centered person. I guess we all still have to fight those tendencies, but at least these days I'm aware of them, and I wasn't aware of them in the past, no. So that's a little bit about love, and if you would like to discuss the topic of unconditional love in my community, I say my community, our community, it's just got my name on it and I'm the host but I love it when everybody gets involved and shares their thoughts and experiences, their talents and interests. It's other people who make the community what it is. I just make some suggestions and then everybody, if they get involved, they add their bit and things are so much better than if I did everything by myself. Yes, so my community is called Stories of an Unschooling Family which is very easy to remember because it's the same name as this podcast and my blog. So all I've got left to do is to invite you to go and visit my blog. And also maybe you would like to sign up for the 2020 Homeschooling Global Summit. There are a lot of other speakers beside me. Yes, I'm not sure how many exactly, but it's going to be a big event and it's free. All you have to do is register. So thank you for listening to this episode, episode 174. So until next time, stay safe and live a radical life of unconditional love. <laughs>